here today. It's good to see everybody. And uh, so thankful that you've made it to church on here on January 1st, 2023. What a great place to start our new year, um, you know, in the house of God with the family of God. And so whether, you know, it's obviously good to see you and it's good to be seen by you if you're online. And, uh, but I know we have a number of people still traveling for the holidays, but um, I, I pray that you've had a good holiday season. And, and I really want to encourage you today uh, just about that this is a new year, but I want to share some things with you, uh, kind of in preparation for 21 days of prayer and fasting, but really, uh, just about how to approach this new year. Uh, I don't know if I've ever actually preached on January 1st before and, uh, I've done, you know, December 30th or 31st, or I've done the different, but I don't know if it's ever quite landed on this day, but I want to share some things with you. And, and re- really the title of my message today is this, it's turn the page. And, uh, you know, last night when the clock struck midnight, we stepped into a new year, a new time and a new, uh, just, I wouldn't say a dimension necessarily, but it is a new season. And there's something, uh, that's nice about new, isn't there? How many of you like new stuff? You like a new, how many of you like a new car, a new house? If you're like me, do you like a new tool? Hello. There's just something about a new tool. It just, it's clean and it works better. I don't know. That's what I tell Dare anyways, like this old tool's dirty. I need a new one that uh, just works better. There's just something about it. You know, um, you know, obviously I think when I think about things like that, you know, we just had Christmas and I can remember as a kid, as I'm sure most of you can, you'd get a new pair of shoes and you were convinced, like thoroughly convinced that those new shiny shoes made you run faster, jump higher. Like you're like, look out world, I'm coming just because you got a new pair of shoes on. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You got a new pair of shoes, all of a sudden you're like, wait till I get on the basketball court, boys, because I'm going to show you some new skills that you didn't know I had. You know, and there is something about uh, new that is just, I don't know, there's something special about it. And, uh, you know, I'm not a huge fan personally of New Year's resolutions because they just don't really work for me. Uh, typically, and I don't know about you, how many of you stick with them? I've noticed over the holiday season, though, that there's an ad for a particular workout piece of equipment and they were advertising like 90% of our people are still using their products a year later. And uh, so I don't, I don't know if that's a good sales tactic or not, but if they really have 90% of their users still using their equipment, they're blowing every other statistic out of the water when it comes to New Year's resolutions. And, you know, but there is something to be said, though, just about uh, really, you know, and I, I can't explain it, but you know, that feeling like right after you've cleaned your house, like you've got all the holiday stuff packed away. I'm not going to ask you how many to have holiday stuff in your house. Cause I do, uh, I would not, but my wife does. Therefore it's still up. I love my wife. And I'm happy about it. We have a beautiful tree anyways. And, you know, but there's something to be said just about cleaning stuff up, right? And and you kind of, you know, nobody likes cleaning up. Nobody likes cleaning out the garage. Nobody likes doing certain things. But once it's done and you sit down and you look at it and you're like, I did that. And there's something, that fresh start. There's something about that. You know, for me, I love like when the yard's done. Just go get me some sweet tea and walk around the yard and look at what I have conquered And cleaned up and, you know, and there's something about those things. And really, I believe that we're actually hardwired for that. I believe that God has put something on the inside of us. And it's actually part of the charge that God gave to Adam in Genesis chapter 2. I believe it's verse 15. But he says this is that to take control and subdue 
the earth. In other words, before Adam had a wife, Adam had a job. He had some responsibilities. And I believe that in our culture, many times we, especially as we're moving further and further down this track that we're on, is that people don't want to take responsibility for things. And yet the Bible here tells us is that we have a responsibility to what? To not let life just happen to us. We can't just live, you know, Kesara, Sarah, whatever happens, it's just going to be good. Everything's going to work out. Like, no, we've been given authority by God. Now, you know, from a scriptural theological standpoint, that authority was taken by Satan. It really wasn't taken. It was really given to him by Adam when Adam and Eve sinned. But the Bible tells us that Jesus came back to give us that authority. He said it this way, is that I give you the keys to the kingdom of God and all of the authority that he had, he gave back to us. And so today, you know, and so think of it this way, is that there may be areas of your life, areas of your heart, areas of your soul that you need to go reclaim your authority in. Because there are areas of our life, and it happens for all of us, that, and what happens is, is that we don't realize it in the moment, but just over the course of time, things stack up. And things get a little out of control. They get a little out of hand. And it's not that we decided that, oh, I want this part of my life to go crazy. But we've not exercised our spiritual authority to bring things into order. I mean, whether we realize it or not, we actually like order. We don't like chaos. We're not built for chaos. That's not the way that the human body and brain, we're not built for stress. And that's why the Bible calls us and tells us to come back to God, to come into a relationship with God. Why? Because that's the place where we can find peace. Is that God intended for us to exist in peace, not in chaos. And and so we have to really begin to assess some things. And I know that for many of us is that as we are turning the page into a new year, we begin to assess things. We begin to look at our budget and be like, yeah, we got a little crazy around Christmas. We got to. We need to get back to some things. We need to get back to some old habits. We need to bring back. And those things are good. And it's necessary to do these natural things. You know, you you may clean up. You may finish out some projects that you swore you were going to get done last year. But yet here you are in a new year and that project's still sitting there. And you're like, I'm getting it done this week. And those things are good. And there's nothing wrong with those things. But And I believe that we are really, uh, that God really gave us the desire, if you will, To bring order into our life. And let me just help you here. The first place to start bringing order is within yourself. And the second place is within your home. Start there. And this is part of why we're taking 21 days at the beginning of the year to seek the Lord. And to really put the priority. Because why? When our spiritual life is in its proper place, in its proper perspective, the rest of our life will be better. It doesn't mean that we won't have problems. It doesn't mean that things won't arise. It doesn't mean that unexpected things won't, won't happen. But what it does mean is that it gives me really the vision and the clarity to see what God is doing in spite of my situation or my circumstances. And so, you know, when we're kind of taking this turn into a new year, it's a good moment to just take a, a breath. And not just like catch your breath. I mean like catch a fresh breath. The Bible tells us that when God created Adam, that he breathed the breath of life into him. And it says that when God breathed into him, that he became a living being. In other words, he was just the form of a a human, but there was no life happening. 
And the same breath that put uh, life into Adam is the same breath that puts life into us. And I don't mean just like, hey, I'm functioning and my body's working the way it's supposed. I mean, like, we got to go more than just through the motions. Is that we want to live life to its fullest potential. Because that's why Jesus came to save us. Well, so that we could have an abundant life. And so, but, you know, one of the things that happens, and yes, we have... um, There is a new, if you say it that way, you can say it a fresh breath or a fresh start. But one of the things that will hinder you from being able to move forward is if we keep looking back. Look, you can't change 2022. Kaylin said it earlier. It's over. Whether you want it to be or not, it's over. You can't change it. The past is in the past. But you can choose to live in the past if you want to. I mean, 2022 may have been a great year for you. It may have been a terrible year for you. But I've got good news. Either way, it's over. This is a new season and a new time. And I believe that if we would uh, really focus and really bring things into um, alignment with God, I believe that this is actually could be your greatest year ever. And I don't say that as a token. I mean that genuinely. Is that if we will get our spiritual life in step with what God is doing, I believe we'll see God do more things than we've ever seen him do. You know, and so even as we're talking about these things is that, uh, you know, and I've used this example before, but, you know, it's hard to move into what God has for you if you're constantly looking back into that rearview mirror. Because if you're looking back, you're not looking to where you're going. And it's going to be hard to arrive at the desired or the expected God-desired destination if we keep looking back. Because here's the truth. God does not live in our past. God is out ahead of us. The Bible says he's the God who sees ahead and makes provision. He's not the God who just hits rewind and goes and fixes everything in the past. Doesn't mean that he can't help us fix some things from our past, but God is more interested in what's ahead of us. Why? Because we can't change what's behind. I mean, as much as I dislike this statement, there is a truth to it, which is it is what it is. I can't change the past. You can't change the past, but I can absolutely affect my present right now and my future. And I don't want to just live so far into the future that I'm not paying attention to today. If I'll take care of today, then it'll help me move forward. See, here's a truth that I believe is that we'll never step into the good things that God has in store for us while simultaneously living in our past. It's not going to happen. See, 2022 is gone. You got to let it go. Good, bad, otherwise. We can reflect, we can look back, and there's nothing wrong with that. But we don't want to get over into regret. Could have, would have, should have. It doesn't matter at this point. What are you going to do today? What are you going to do in this new year, this new opportunity? I mean, I don't remember, how many hours did you say there were in a year? 5,000 and 8,000. What is it? Seven, eight thousand seven hundred and sixty hours. Every one of us get the same number. What are we going to do with them? 
What are we going to fill those hours with? What are we going to fill our life with? To create what God, not just my desired future, because I don't want my desired future. I want God's desired future for me. And I can, I can miss out on God's desired future for me pursuing my desired future. And you're like, yeah, but, but what, what about this? And, and what about that? And, and, you know, but I really want to do this and I, I need this. And God created you. He knows exactly what you need. Like he knows more of what we need than we know what we need. And he knows what fulfills us more than we know what fulfills us. And so when we're walking with the Lord, he's going to lead us into the future that we actually want. And so when I'm walking with him, he's leading me towards what I was created to do. But what can happen is that we will allow really what's behind us to determine and influence what's in front of us. If we're not careful. We will live more in that place of that idea, that thought of, well, I could have, I should have, I wish I would have. And we'll live in that place of regret. Therefore, but what happens when we do this, we're not looking forward into the new opportunity and what God has for us ahead. And and so this is important for us to know, you know, my my brother-in-law. Uh, he's been here before. His name's Ross and he's a Christian psychologist. And we were having a conversation here. I don't know, earlier last year, I guess it was. And, um, he, we were just talking about some things and he was talking to me about counseling and this and that with different folks. And he began to share with me this idea or this thought that he's had and really something that he uses in his practice, which is that for anything negative that happens in your life is that you have to assign an expiration date to it. And just say, hey, I've got 60 days to grieve this. I've got 60 days to regret that decision. But after that 60 days, I'm not going to regret it anymore. The loss of that job, the loss of that relationship, whatever it may be. You got to put an expiration and just say, after this date, I'm not going to look back at it again. I'm not going to go back and and rehearse it in my mind how I could have or I I, I should have or I should have said this or I shouldn't have done that or if I would have done this. Like you're living in a hypothetical world when we're in our thoughts rehearsing that, the past. And all of our thought is not going to change what has been. But yet I can be intentional about moving forward. I can take the lessons from the past And I would encourage you, don't lose the lessons that you've learned, but don't live in a place of regret either. This is an important thing for us as we're moving forward. And so let me just, one of my challenges for you today is this, is to forgive everybody. Amen. We've had a good service, (laughs) y'all. Like, forgive everybody. Clear the decks. I mean, scrub them, clean them. It's it's over. Don't drag last year's problem into this year. By the way, I said forgive everybody. That includes you, yourself. Quit beating yourself up on a decision that you can't change. Start over. I don't remember who it was, Office Depot or whoever it was. You used to have that easy button. You used to talk about, you know, those commercials. Like you just hit the easy button and things just happen and they're just done. 
Sometimes we need a reset button. And see, and the truth is, is that forgiveness is a decision. It's not a feeling. If you wait until you feel like you've forgiven, you'll never get there. And you'll have to remind yourself that you've forgiven that. That offense, that hurt, whatever it may be, that disappointment. And you're going to say, nope, I, I forgave myself for that. I'm not, I'm not going to rehearse that anymore. I learned some lessons from those things. But I've forgiven myself for that mistake. I forgave that person for hurting me. I, I, I forgave that situation or that boss or, or whatever it was. I've forgiven it, which means I've given it over to the Lord. I've now trusted the Lord with those things. Because what happens is that, that really unforgiveness becomes like an anchor that ties us to the past. And we can't move forward. And, and so, you, I mean, if I could tell you to do one thing today, that's it. Forgive everybody. Let it go. Why? Because there is a better future ahead, but you've got to move forward. You've got to let go of what's behind. As Paul said, you know, he's talked about this. He says that I forget what's behind me and I press, I I strive and I'm running towards what? Towards all that Christ has for me. Well, I can't play both sides and be like, Jesus, lead me where you want me to go, but I'm I'm going to hold on to the... No, you've got to let go of those things. It's just the truth. So, as the title of the message is, it's time to turn the page. See, I believe that there's some of you that have been even carrying other people's burdens... That you care more about it than they do. And it's holding you back. And it's slowing things up for you. And you're wondering why you're more frustrated than they are. Am I? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Don't allow their problem to be your problem. Doesn't mean that you don't care. Doesn't mean that you don't pray. Doesn't mean, it, it doesn't mean any of those things. But you may need to turn the page and say, Lord, I'm not carrying their burden any longer. I'm going to trust you with it. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to believe the best. I'm going to help them any way that I can. But I'm not shouldering their load. Now, I'm not saying that in the sense of if somebody else is willing to shoulder their load, I will come alongside of them and help them shoulder their load. But I'm not going to carry somebody's load for them. Like, well, that doesn't sound very loving. Let me help you with this. You can't love somebody else more than you love yourself. And I don't mean that in an arrogant way. But let me give you an example of this. If you're in an airplane, what do they tell you to do if the oxygen mask drops? Put yours on first. Why? Because if you don't take care of you, you will be passed out. And you will be helping nobody. And so many times we will allow circumstances and situations and the stresses of life come. And they're weighing us down. And we need to what? Walk away. Doesn't mean that we don't care. Doesn't mean that we don't love. No, it, it, We can still love, but 
hey, I'm here for you. I'm just not going to do it for you. And in reality, you can't do it for them. At some point, everybody's got to take responsibility for themselves. And so sometimes the most loving thing that you can do for yourself, the most caring thing that you can do for yourself is to put that responsibility back on somebody else. See, sometimes we need to be reminded that we are not the Savior. We can never be Savior. Jesus and Jesus alone is Savior. And we want to point people to him. Because why? He's the one who destroys the yoke. He's the one who destroys the work of darkness in people's lives. And so we want to love people well. But we also need to remember sometimes we need to evaluate and even think, how well am I loving myself? Am I caring for my soul in a way that I should? See, I believe that, it's, that, that we can turn the page going into this new year, and I believe that we can write a new and a better chapter. But we're going to have to be intentional about it. We're going to have to really put some thought to it. And so you say, well, how do we do this? And so, you know, I, I said this a few minutes ago, and I'll repeat it again, but I believe that it's possible... All right, let me say it this way. I don't think that it's really possible to write a better new chapter until our spiritual life is in proper place. Why? Because we left to ourselves are a mess. We are. We really can't change all that much. We're all control freaks. Every one of us. Now, some of us have varying degrees. But if you've ever had a two-year-old in the middle of a meltdown, you realize you're not as in control as you think you are. Just stop, please. I'll give you anything. (laughs) There's so much that we worry about that we really have very little control over. And yet there's this illusion that we have, right? But yet when our spiritual life is in perspective and really in this proper place, it's not just us trying to do this in and of ourselves, which is really the theme of this year for, for our fast is, is this. It, it comes out of uh, Zechariah 4, 6. It says, it's not by power and it's not by might. In other words, it's not by human effort. It's not by my ability. It's not by all of these things, but it's by the spirit of God who helps me. That as the Bible says, Philippians 4, says that I can do all things through Christ. See, sometimes we, we take that and like, oh, I can do all things because Christ is on the inside of me. That's not what the scriptures say. The scripture says I can do all things through Christ with his help, with his ability, with the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. I can overcome anything in front of me, not because I'm dependent upon myself, but I know who is with me. And because I know who is with me, there's a strength and an ability that will come into my life, that will come into your life. When what? When I learn to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and learn how to receive his help. The Holy Spirit is a guide he does not force. He leads us, he does not drag us. That's not the nature of God. And so we've got to get our spiritual life where it needs to be. 
And here's what I know. Sean said this a few minutes ago. Is that every single one of us have an opportunity for improvement in our spiritual life. Every single one of us. We use the phrase because it just sounds nicer. Everybody has a next step. Because everybody does. We, in all of our pursuit and relationship with God, will we ever come to the place where we're like, I know everything about him. And I believe even if we thought that, God would be like, yeah, that's funny. Let me just show you something you don't know. So there, there is an opportunity for us to grow. This is true for all of us. And so this year we have the opportunity to grow, to develop. I mean, I think I've told you this every year because I believe it with all of my heart. As far as coming into the fast is that this will actually be your best year if it's your best year spiritually. And it doesn't mean that things won't come, but it means that, that I believe that you can actually learn to cooperate with the grace and the ability of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you to overcome all these things that come against you. The psalmist in Psalms 23 talks about, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. I have nothing to be afraid of. Why? Because I'm not alone. The problem is is that we get in those moments and we forget that God will never leave us and he'll never forsake us, that he's always with us. But see, I think there are things that, that we can do to really create and to walk in a newer dimension with God. I believe that we can learn to cooperate with the grace of God in our life. And so, but to do that, we've got to let go. We've got to let go of last year. We've got to forgive some people. We've got to forgive ourselves. We've got to step into this new season with a new, fresh start, a blank page. Now, I realize that some of you may have never fasted. And you're like, I don't know what fasting is, and it sounds terrible. It can be if you try to do it in your own strength. One of the worst things that I believe that we try to do as a Christian is to be a good Christian in our own ability. Like, let me remind you, you got saved for a reason. And it wasn't just so that you don't go to hell. It was because I am not strong enough. I'm not good enough. I don't have what it takes to be who God has called me to be. And that's why God put the Holy Spirit in us. The Bible says that when we become saved, that God deposits his spirit on the inside of us. He goes as far as to say he puts a new heart in us. Why? Because the old heart won't do in the new relationship. So he puts a new heart in us. And so what does fasting do? Fasting slows everything down. I don't know why we call it fasting. We should call it slowing because that's what happens. Time slows down. You remove certain things out of your life. And I'll give you some specific um, things to consider because you have a week. You got this week to figure out, to pray and ask the Lord. God, what would you have me to lay aside for a short season? Because fasting is a short-term sacrifice that has long-term benefits. It really does. I mean, Darren and I have had this as a discipline in our life for over 10 years. Every January, we do 21 days. 
So how do you know what to do? I mean, I could give you some suggestions. And I will give you a couple things just to kind of give you some things to pray about and consider. But let me just say this. If, it, if you don't feel it, it's not enough. Now, I'm not trying to put condemnation on you. I'm not trying to manipulate you. I'm not trying to convince you to do something. If I convince you to do it, you're going to have a terrible 21 days. I'm just being honest with you. Look, I've had somebody force me to do a fast. It was terrible. Did you eat anything yesterday? I'm like, I think we're missing the whole point of this thing. You need to predetermine what you're going to set aside and what you believe the Lord is asking you to set aside. I mean, you know, I shared this, I've shared this many times, but there are some things that I do automatically. Like I won't watch TV for 21 days. I won't drink caffeine for 21 days. These are like the staples. These are like non-negotiables. I don't even pray about these. I limit all social media like to just check for messages and then I get right back off. Why? Because I want to get rid of the influences that are constantly coming at me. I'll read more. I'll have books that will strengthen me and encourage me. Why? Because I'm prioritizing my spirit life, my spirit man. Because that's where the life of God happens. Now, I will do some things where I change parts of my diet, if you will. And there's different types. I'm kind of already in it. So So let let me say this, is that as we're going into this fast, this is what I would encourage you to do. Is to commit to spiritual disciplines. Nobody likes discipline. I told Dara I was going to be talking about disciplines today. And she rolled her eyes at me the other day. I told her she needed to be in church. You know. And, uh, discipline is not a bad thing. We don't like it. But it produces good things. And so what are some spiritual disciplines? Here's, here's the first one I believe. Is to worship. You worship corporately, which we did this morning, but you need to worship personally too. If this is the only time that you open up your mouth to worship God, you're missing out. Why? Because God wants to have a relationship with you all the time. You can worship God in the car. You can worship God in the shower. I mean, we live in the technology age. You're like, well, I don't know any music. That excuse is out the window. You can take the songs that we did this morning, go punch it in YouTube, and it'll pull up a whole playlist for you. Just hit play. And you can worship. And so this is part of of having regularly scheduled. And and when I say worship, I don't mean singing a song. When I say worship, I mean commune with God, like that you connect with God. That's what real worship is. That speaks of relationship. And so we want to have corporate worship, but we want to have personal worship. The second area is with the word. We want to engage with God's word. Why? Because his word brings life unto us. It it, it feeds our soul what we need. You're like, well, I don't really know where to start. We're going to give you a 21-day devotional to help you. It's going to be a scripture and a thought. It's going to take you probably three or four minutes a day to read it, maybe. 
And it's going to be along the theme of what we're looking at and what we're talking about this year. So you can start with that Devo. This is my encouragement for everybody is to take 15 minutes a day. Take 15 minutes. I'm not asking you for an hour, 15 minutes. Like I ain't got time for 15 minutes. Yeah, you do. Sure you do. Just don't watch TV. You'll have way more than 15 minutes. Take 15 minutes to worship, or I'm sorry, take five minutes to worship, five minutes in the word, and give five minutes to prayer. Like, well, I don't know what to say when I pray. There's some resources that can help you to know how to pray. I mean, I've already kind of given, given you this challenge, if you will, but a good thing to pray is like, Lord, just help me to forgive people. Lord, show me the people that I don't even remember that I haven't forgiven. The people that I'm still angry at. And help me to let go of that. I, I don't want to drag that old problem into a new year. Prayer is acknowledging our need for God and asking for his help. That's what prayer is. And so we want to worship. We want to get into the word. We want to fellowship with other believers. That's important. We need to communicate and not just kind of like, hey, how was the football game last night? I mean, that's fellowship, but not in a biblical context. That's friendship. But fellowship is how's your heart? How, how, how are you doing? How can I pray for you? Like, that's what I'm talking about with a connection. It's like meaningful things. Like we've got to get out of the shallows and move into some deeper relationships. Why? Because there's strength and there's life there. And so the last spiritual discipline that I'm uh, asking you to commit to during these 21 days specifically is to fasting. Fasting is a discipline. I don't like it, but I love what it does. And I love what it produces in me. And I've done it long enough now that I can look back and I can see the benefits and I can see where God has moved and where God has worked and where God has spoken to me in different seasons and times and, and, and things that God has done. You're like, okay, so I get it, but what is fasting? One of the simplest definitions I can give you is that it's a, it's a redirecting of our appetites. It's a change of direction because I love food. I am a foodie. So, but food can also become a hindrance to my relationship with the Lord. Get stressed out, go eat a good meal. Throw some gravy on top of it for good measure. And can I get a second bowl? Thank you. Like, I'm going to drown my sorrows in gravy. A couple of y'all laugh because you know exactly what I'm talking about. Don't judge me. But what can happen is I can actually start running to other empty wells looking to satisfy my soul. I can run to entertainment. I can run to things to distract me away from what I need to be doing. I can run to all kinds of things. And so we need to remove some things out. Why? Because it's just hitting a reset button. 
And so it's a redirecting of our appetites, our passions, our desires. It's in all areas of our life. It's one of the easiest ways that I have found to just kind of hit the reset. And I need to reset every year. It's amazing. I've never gotten to January thinking like, man, I don't need to do this this year. I'm doing so great. Every year I'm like, I look forward to it. I'm like, man, can we just get past the holidays so I can get to January? And I don't have some warped, twisted thought process in that. I know the benefits of it. And so I lay some things aside. I redirect my appetites. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything that you need. Everything that you want, everything that you would desire, God will give you when what? You put him first. When you make him the priority, and that's really what fasting is about. You're making God the priority in your life above everything else. Doesn't absolve me from my responsibilities or you. We still got bills to pay. We still got kids to take care of. We still got a job to do. We still got all these things to happen, and they will. But it's taking that extra focus, that extra time to really um, to seek the Lord. Why? Because he's the one who satisfies our soul. I think there's a lot of unnecessary things in all of our lives, myself included. It's like, you know, that's really not a necessary part of my life. I mean, there's some things that the Lord's been just kind of stirring in me about concerning this 21 days, things that he's never talked to me about. I'll just tell you what it is. I don't even care. I feel like the Lord has told me that during these 21 days that I need to prioritize rest. That may not be a challenge for you. It is for me. Because I want to get some stuff done. The Lord's never talked to me about that. And that one actually is harder for me than food. Lord, can I negotiate with you? If I don't eat for X number of days, can I stay busy these number? Nope. Rest. David, calm down. And I, I'm just being honest with you. It's going to be very challenging for me to not get busy. Because that's what happens when we fast is we stop doing one thing and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, the garage needs to be cleaned out. And we get distracted, so we just get we just replace one thing with another thing. That's not what fasting's about. Fasting's about focusing. There's an intimacy that comes with God during my 21 days that I desperately need. That you desperately need, whether you realize it or not. That we need that connection. We need that closeness with the Lord. Jeremiah 29, 13 says this. Said, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. It's not about what you do. It's about the desire of your heart. If you look for me wholeheartedly with a pure heart, you're going to find me. God will not allow us to seek him that he will not respond to us. And so this next week, we're stepping into next Sunday, we officially kick it off. 
So it goes from the 8th to the 28th. We'll have devos available for you on Monday nights. I believe that I think we said at 6. Do you remember? Was it 6 o'clock? Does anybody know? I think we said 6 here in the sanctuary. We're going to do corporate prayer. I think it's 6, pretty sure. So you can come here after work and then you can still get home at a decent time and all this. Be about an hour. We're going to get together. We're going to corporately pray for an hour together. I'll have some things that I'll share with you each night and then we're going to pray. Why? Because if you just fast and you don't pray, you're on a diet, you're not fasting. It's important to pray. There's a combination that has to happen. And so that's a powerful thing. So so that's a time. So start next Monday, not this Monday, but next Monday. We'll spend about an hour in prayer together. And so we'll just open up the sanctuary. We'll have worship music, you know, play and all those good things. We'll lead in some prayer and we're going to put some resources some tools into your hands for that. So here's just for, because I realize some of you, this may be a newer idea or a newer concept. So here's some types of fast. I'm going to start with the hardest one and then go from there. The hardest one is a complete fast. You're like, complete? What does that mean? That means you literally drink water. I've never done 21 days of straight water. Only. So, just for clarity's sake. You got to start where you are. But, could you skip lunch and drink water? And you're like... I'm going to freak out. My body's going to lose its mind. And that will force you to rely upon the Holy Spirit and say, God, I cannot do this in myself. That's kind of the point. Is you want to get out beyond yourself where you have to trust the Holy Spirit to help you and to show up for you. Because here's what I, what I actually know is that we can all do more than we think we can. And I'm not advocating that you do the complete fast. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm just, don't set the bar so low that it takes nothing to achieve it. So, you have a complete fast. There's a partial fast. An example of this from the Bible would be doing a Daniel fast where he ate fruits and vegetables. And the Bible is in, you can go look in the book of Daniel and it talks about it. That they were in the king's palace and... um, They had the full spread. I mean, they had the king's buffet before them. But David was, I'm sorry, David, that Daniel, he was a slave in captivity. And he said, hey, just bring us the fruits and the vegetables. And there's a whole dialogue that goes on. And at the end of it, they said that those who were, that Daniel and those who were with him that had chosen to do this partial fast, said that they were sharper, smarter, looked better than all the others who had been eating all the king's best foods. So you could do a partial fast. By the way, this is my least favorite fast, full disclosure, because I'm not a big salad guy. So when I eat salad, I think of everything that I want to eat. Just being honest with you. I remember one time I went to a, a nice steakhouse with Pastor Sam. We went for lunch. And he knows me. I mean, he's known me my entire life. And so we go and we're at a steakhouse. He orders a steak and I'm like, I'll take a salad. And he looked at me so funny and was just like, is that all you're going to eat? And I said, yes, sir. And he was like, you don't, you, you do realize we're at the steakhouse, right? And I said, yes, sir. I understand. 
I wasn't trying to impress him. But I desired my connection with God more than I did a nice steak. And this has been, and so you can do things like this. You could skip a meal. I've done that. Where I, I, you know, either lunch, dinner, whatever. And I just commit. And here's the thing, again, you can't, you've got to replace these things with something else. Like if you don't eat or if you remove like movies or games or whatever it is your thing, you've got to fill that time with something that will feed you spiritually. So if you're not going to, like... Years ago, me and Dara, we were fasting our lunches. And so we would sit down and we would read our Bible during the lunchtime. Like, I ain't got 15 minutes. How long does it take you to eat? More than 15 minutes. But there is this time. And so you have those things. So you have a complete fast, a partial fast. There's also soul fast. So these would be things like uh, media or activities. Maybe it's a hobby. Maybe it's something you could set aside for a couple weeks and devote that time to your relationship with God. And again, these are all things that will strengthen you. But the goal is not to do it in your own ability. Not by might, not by power. This is not willpower to get through it. It actually is designed to push you to a place of dependency. That's what it's all about. And so, you know, even this verse um, here in Zechariah has been stirring in me really for several months now. I don't remember the exact month, but several months ago, the Lord began just this thought began to stir up in me. Not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. See, I believe that if we can grab hold of this during this time. And if we'll apply ourselves to it, I believe that God wants to take us to a new place and a new dimension in our, in our relationship and our, really our understanding of what he desires to do in our life. And so what, I, what I'm encouraging you to do is that if you'll take these next couple of weeks, if you're going to apply your faith to it, if you'll take these 21 days seriously in seeking the Lord... I believe that you're going to step into a new ability and into a new power that the Holy Spirit wants to bring into your life. I believe that there are things that you may have struggled with for even years. That if you'll seek the Lord in these 21 days, all of a sudden you're going to experience some victory in those areas of your life. Why? Because you prioritize the kingdom of God, the presence of God in your life. And all of a sudden that those things that used to, you know, somebody would say that and you would get triggered by it. All of a sudden you're going to laugh about it and be like, yeah, good try, devil. I see you. But yet for years, you've been just dominated by this situation. Things that would have just totally in the past would have taken you out will be nothing more than just a little small speed bump. You'd be like, oh, that was something. Oh, man, that that would have just used to. I would have been so offended by that situation. I would have been so offended by that comment. I would have been so offended by this or that. And then all of a sudden, there's a new grace that comes into your life. The Bible tells us that God wants to take us from one place of of glory. In other words, one place of his presence into a higher place of his presence, into a higher place of his presence. 
See, the closer I walk with the Lord, the less I care about menial stuff. And there's some things I'm just like, it's just not worth the fight. Why? Because it's not worth the fight. And I need the Holy Spirit to, to tell me to leave stuff alone. Like, it's not that important. And so as we will take this season and take this time, and if we'll learn to cooperate with the Holy Spirit, I mean, that's, that's, that's a learned thing. You have to learn to, to recognize the voice and the leadings of, of the Holy Spirit because sometimes it's obvious and sometimes it seems like your own thought. But if you learn to, to listen, I mean, during these 21 days, I would encourage you as a thought comes, and, and maybe it's a challenging thought. Maybe the Lord's asking you to lay something aside. Just stop right there in that moment and just say, Holy Spirit, was that you? Was that you? I mean, look, in the days ahead, and I'm not trying to speak doom and gloom, but it's imperative that we learn to follow the Lord. That we learn how to what? Step over into his peace and to be able to stay there. I mean, the world is not going to get better. Go read your Bible. But the Bible does say that as darkness covers the earth, that the glory of God is going to reside on people. Well, who is that? It should be us. It should be the church. It should be the family of God. So we don't have to be discouraged or frustrated. We should be encouraged. Why? Because we know the end of the story. Oh, yeah, but this is happening with the economy and Russia's doing this and all these things and... Take your eyes and pick them up. Quit looking at the natural realm. We were singing that song earlier. God, I look to you. Why? Because you're where my help comes from. That's actually a a scripture in Psalms. And God, I I look to you. I'm turning to you. I'm redirecting my attention, not just my appetites. I'm redirecting my attention to you. Because I don't want to get caught up in just the natural realm realm the natural world around me is that i still have a father who loves me who's sitting on the throne i have a savior in jesus who the bible says went to the cross for me paid the price of my sins but he's also the savior who's coming back for me so the end of the story is not chaos the end of the story is actually him coming back victorious so i need to keep that in mind You need to keep that in mind. Is that God knows exactly what he's doing. And if you actually go and study scripture, there are things that are happening right now that God said would happen thousands of years ago. He said, this nation and that nation are going to come into a partnership. It's happening. I can give you a list of nations that are all aligning right now. We've seen it over the last couple years. Nations that haven't been friendly in forever, all of a sudden they're signing peace agreements saying, hey, we're allies. Well, that's weird. There's nations that are aligning with Israel. Like, why would they ever be friendly to them? And all of a sudden they're signing peace agreements because the Bible said that these things would happen. God is not moved by what's happening. As a matter of fact, he's ordered it. 
He's established it. And so we can't just get caught up in just this, just living this natural life. I believe that when we learn to, to listen for the help of the Holy Spirit, I believe there's this steadiness, this sturdiness, this stability that will come into our life. Where I'm not moved by everything that happens. No, God, I trust you. I trust that you're working. I trust that you're moving in. And so that even as we move forward, that God, I'm in step with you. Not that we're going to do it perfectly, but I believe that we can do it better than we have. I believe every one of us can. So let me leave you with one last question today. And it's really a question about how are you approaching your life? Because there's two approaches, especially as a believer, as a Christian, as a Christ follower. You're approaching God in one of two ways. And my prayer is that in the next 21 days that you would actually switch over into the right approach. Because one of them isn't the right approach. So my question is this, is are you living in an attempt to get God's grace? In other words, you're trying to get favor with God. Like if I do enough good stuff, God will be happy with me. God will be nice to me. Let me tell you this, is that you're already highly favored of the Lord. Jesus has already come for you. But yet many times we live our life and we're trying to please God. We're trying to appease him, if you will. We're trying to stay on his good side. But that's really not the right way to approach God. We're actually supposed to live from grace, not for grace. And there's a, it's a minor word change, but it's a massive life difference. When I realize that God's grace for me is available, that God loves me, that he cares for me, that he wants to, he sent the Holy Spirit to help me, to help you. That's why the Holy Spirit is here. He is our helper. And so I need to learn to live from the grace of God, not just trying to get it. The Bible says that in Christ, that I, that I, that you have already been blessed with Every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Everything that heaven has is yours right now. But you may still be thinking like, I'm trying to get it. I'm trying to get it. I'm trying. No, you just got to receive it. It's a gift. It's the free gift of grace. You can't ever earn it. You can't ever deserve it. You just have to receive the grace of God. And so this morning, I want to pray for all of you as we're kind of getting ready to step into this new season, this new year. It's time to turn the page. You got a blank slate. Take today. Take this moment. If somebody came to mind earlier when I told you about that there's some people you need to forgive, a face probably popped in or a name popped up. This is your moment. Make the decision right now. I'm forgiving them. And from this moment forward, I have forgiven them. I don't care what new information comes to light. I've forgiven them. Forgive yourself. It's time to move forward. This really can be your best year ever. It really can be. But you're going to have to set the tone in your spiritual life. And in these next couple weeks, I believe we can do this.
And so I want to pray this morning over you. I want to pray for you today. That God's going to speak to you this week. That he's going to just drop some things in your heart for this 21-day fast. If, that you would know exactly what he would ask you to do. And here's the good news. If God asks you, there's grace for you to do it. God will never ask you to do anything that you can't do with his help. He may ask you to do something. You're like, there ain't no way I can do that. You're right. But with his grace, with his ability, you can. So let's go to the Lord this morning. Father, I thank you right now for every person that's here. Father, every person that's joined us online today. Father, I thank you as we're kicking off this new year. Father, I thank you that you're helping us to turn the page and father write a new and a better chapter in our life in this new year so father i thank you for for who you are father i thank you for your grace in our lives father i ask you to help us even this week father i thank you that you're going to stir up in us the things that we need to lay aside those the 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 weights and the distractions and the things that are keeping us from stepping into the fullness of what you have for us father that when we begin next sunday with day one father that it's the start of a just an amazing time with you father i thank you that throughout these 21 days that you're just drawing us closer to you father that we would experience the nearness of who you are father this the, the tenderness of your presence in a greater way than we ever have before father i thank you father even for uh even as we've talked about today father there may be those that we need to forgive Father, we ask you to heal us of the hurts and the pains of the past. Father, that our past does not have to define us. But Father, we look to you and that you're the one who defines us. And Father, you say that we're uh, lovely and that we're wonderful. Father, that that, that you care for us. So Father, we let go of all of the, the stain and the pain of the past. Father, we forgive others. We forgive ourselves. And Father, we say that after today, after this moment... Father, we're not looking back anymore. That we're stepping into all that you have for us in our future. Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.